And a very good evening, everybody, and welcome to a Lyceum evening uh, coming to you from the Paul Christian Spiritualist Church down in Sunny Pool. Used to be sunny. It was sunny before the last 40 days and nights of rain, seriously, uh, down on the south coast of the UK. Uh, great delight to welcome Minister Chris Connolly to our evening this evening. Good Chris, may I call you just Chris? Or... Yeah, please, please do. Please thank do, you. yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Chris, very big warm welcome to you. Thank you thank so you. much for giving your Saturday night up uh, to be with us here online. Something that always engages people, because you go, how did, how did that happen? How did you become medium then? How did, you know? So mm -hmm. if you just give us a little bit of background, please, on... Gosh your mediumship route to okay. where you are today fine i can do that so the mediumship route starts goes back to around 96 and i ended up uh due to circumstances of uh, of uh of friends and so forth of attending uh, gravesend spiritual church up in north kent uh, where i live and uh, I went along to support friends who had lost relatives and uh, and they got a communication. And I was fascinated by how that communication happened because it, it gave them a lot of uh, comfort uh, getting this communication from their loved ones. And uh, so I went up to the medium afterwards, uh, along with the, the family I was with, who wanted to thank the medium for the uh, the, the evidence that they'd been given and uh and there that this medium started giving me information about uh loved ones that i've got in the spirit world well that was enough to get my curiosity going as they say and uh and i went back um to uh the great and spirit church uh twice a week for about six months and what was interesting was that every week as you know there's a different medium uh every week but every week I was uh, given a communication from loved ones in spirit, all saying that, you know, if I wanted to, I could, I could do this as well. Or so this, whatever this was, you know, at the time, you know, and so, um, you know, but, you know, I, I, I turned up at the church. I was in my you know, early twenties. You know, I just thought this was some sort of cult recruitment campaign going on. You know, you got the young, you got young guy there, and uh, you know, let's, let's just let's just say things to him and hope we can sort of like reel him in and uh, and be part of, the, of this cult as I saw it then. But um, but as I said, it went on every week for six months. Every week for six months, got a communication from the spirit world saying, "No, you can do this as well um, if you wanted to." Um, and after about six months, the president stood up and said that they'd been getting complaints. There were some members of the congregation that were complaining that there were certain individuals that seemed to be getting messages every week, and some and some and and some uh, of the congregation didn't, never seemed to get a message at all. Well, I, I instantly, you know, you don't have to be Einstein to realise that they were probably talking about myself. And what was interesting was at that moment, I I, I thought, well, look, you know, if the if there is a spirit world or whatever, I sent a thought out and said, look, I hear what you're saying, okay, I've I've understood. You know, I don't need another message to tell me this. You know, just go to somebody else or do something else this evening. And uh, and from that moment forward, 
I mean, obviously I'll get the occasional one, but that, from that moment forward, never got a message from platform at Gravesend Spiritist Church. However, a week later, I was invited by the church to sitting there, uh, what was an open circle, and that was it. And, um, but, you know, I've always been a scientist. I've always had a, a, a background in that and uh, science and engineer involved in technology in many ways. And so I used to turn up to the circles half an hour early so I could set the chairs out, so I could make sure there was no trickery involved, make sure there was no tape recorders, light machines, or any other sort of fraudulent trickery. Uh, so whatever happened in that circle on that evening, I knew it was just, uh, if you like, bums on seats, if you like. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I did that. And uh, within the third, I think it was the third week, um, I was invited to stand up to, to give a communication. Like most people, you stand there and you think, oh, I, haven't got a, I haven't got a thing. Um, but then the medium sort of, like, uh, sort of like encourages you to say, look, just, just do what you, just close your eyes and that's what the process. And, uh, and surprisingly, someone in the circle accepted the information was going. And that was it. From that moment on, I decided to put aside if you like the skeptical, analytical sort of mindset and think to myself, look, I really want to find out more about this, this mediumship stuff, this spiritualism stuff. Um, so I think I'm just going to sort of like just throw myself in, in at the deep end and just say, let myself experience this process, experience what this, this spiritualism is. And that's what I did for about 10 years. And about 10 years uh, ago, I started to switch on that science again, the scientific mindset and explore a lot of the experiences and a lot of what we understand within spiritual from a rational scientific basis and uh and but as i said i still i still uh work as a, a platform medium a working medium and it's it's been an interesting journey trying to balance you know what i know about the spirit world what i experience from the spirit world with this sort of analytical scientific sort of knowledge of inquiry and uh and, and uh, skepticism, if you like. Right. Uh, so that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Oh, that's right. Well, thank you all for joining us tonight. That was a lovely night. Thank you, Chris. And I <laughs> know, seriously, I, I, I absolutely love that about the people complaining um, yeah. because I've seen it in many churches. You have this uh, sort Indeed. of uh, home guard. And why do the new ones always get the message? Because they're new, and because the spirit world are welcoming them in, <laughs> you know. Exactly. It's just like, okay, anyway, exactly, exactly. I uh, love that. Thank I, haven't, I haven't heard or thought about that energy for a long time. It just tickled me. So thank you very much, Chris. You're welcome. Um, because you, you talk here and you've introduced very nicely. Thank you uh, about your scientific side. Now I've been mm -hmm. having a little route around the internet. Uh, you are a, a doctor of philosophy. Master of well, Science. Well, let's just clarify. I'm I'm a PhD student at the moment, so I'm studying for a doctorate in philosophy. Right. I, oh, yeah. don't, don't quite have it just yet. Just there. Just there. Just, just, there. just in <laughs> arm's reach. That's the one. Let's put it this way. You're a lot closer to it than I am. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you've, you've got to actually – I found the website because uh, I'm – made aware that you are the science ambassador for the ISF, which is That's the right, International yeah, yeah. Spiritualist Federation. 
and I have not until today looked at their website, but I must say I was mightily impressed. I do like mm -hmm. the language that is being spoken on there. Um, I, it, it's nice, simple expressions, which I love. Absolutely. I absolutely, absolutely. love it. Absolutely. Um, you hold the title there as the science ambassador. That's right. America. That's right. It's, uh, it's something I'm quite, uh, I feel honoured and privileged to hold because um, it's a role that's been around since the 1920s, um, 1930s, 1930s. Um, and uh, uh, there's been sub subsequent sort of like uh, science ambassadors since that time that have held that role. And it's and it's the a responsibility where we try to collate information about what the, the scientific literature says about mediumship, says about spiritualism, says about healing, about all faculties of, of mediumship, all spiritualist phenomena. And we try to make it publicly available to um, spiritualists. So the ISF has a website, which you probably went on to, but there is also a, a .co.uk version of that website that holds information about, uh, that's got a blog on there, that I add on every once in a while uh, when interesting papers come out that support, or not necessarily always support, but maybe, you know, uh, argue some aspect of, of spiritualism in some way, of mediumship. Um, and so we try and propagate that, but also act as a bit of a an interface between spiritualists and uh, the academic community. Uh, because it's that's kind of important as well, because, you know, we want to make sure that as spiritualists that we, if we are to partake in research, that we understand that uh, the findings of that research could flip either way, you know, and, and but what's important, what I often stress to, uh, to mediums is that contrary to popular belief, science can't prove you not a medium. You know, a scientist or a researcher can never say to someone, no, you're not a medium. You know, it, it's not possible. They don't have, one, they don't have the authority or the power to do so, but also they don't have the scientific um, uh, evidence to suggest that. You know, all they can say from a single study that they do is that, um, that we didn't find anything. Well, that's fine. You know, either, you know, it could be, and there's multiple reasons why that might happen. You know, for example, the study may not have been adequately designed or sensitive enough to pick up the subtleties of mediumship in some respects, you know. So there's all sorts of things for that. It could be the medium, um, you know, was, was below par. And that's the thing about a lot of the things, a lot of the studies with mediums is that mediums are people. Um, uh, surprise, surprise, mediums are people. And, uh, and with that, introduce a whole host of complexities in ensuring uh, that, uh, that, that you're getting the best out of the out of the medium, out of the participants, you know. Um, so yeah, so that's what I do as a, an ISF ambassador, just bring, bring the try and bring the two. We talk about as a medium, bring the two worlds together. But as a science ambassador, I bring the two worlds of spiritualism and academia together, and uh, and just work as an interface if I can, but also bring this literature base to spiritualists so they know um, more more so than not to know that uh, what they're doing um, isn't, there is, there is, a fund, there is a, an underpinning of science and common sense and rationality up, uh, upon which spiritualism is, is based.
Brilliant, 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 brilliant. Sorry, I was just searching for a link there to post up for somebody. Um, because uh, a few of the people will be aware uh, who are watching tonight, I was recently involved with another study that's ongoing at the moment through King's College. And including my own learning, when we engage with these scientific studies, it's not to go, oh, look, yes, we can see it, that's it, it's conclusive proof, it's to gather evidence, you know, which is going over, I mean, the study I'm involved in has been going on for three years actively and three years prior, prior to that in the setting up. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to get this conclusive uh, piece of evidence at the end of the day but you're just going to get all the facts presented to make up your own mind absolutely absolutely and this is it you know one of the things that i've often come across because i've we've, there's been a lot of mediums in the past that have taken part in uh research and they will say you know well we, we've done the research you know why do we keep need to keep on doing more research and what's what in fact what we failed to understand is that like the study you were you were part of um at king's college you know they would have a hypothesis that they're looking to explore you know but from that other researchers will come in to try and elaborate further on that on that study do you know what i mean and so science is about looking at small answering specific questions which then can be proven or not say proven but results shown to be uh possible that or not possible or, or you know we say you know we accept or reject the null hypothesis is the, 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 the term we use but we can actually uh by getting that work out there and done you know it allows uh, it allows space for other scientists and other researchers to build upon what's done and it's these small incremental steps that builds the greater body of knowledge on on uh, on all sides science and yeah. all fields of science and that's how it works so for example you know the, the uh, i'm doing my doctorate now looking at the cognitive processes that mediums use when they communicate with the spirit world and the reason for doing that is that there's some evidence previous of some research that was done showing that you know that in esp studies in extrasensory perception studies like telepathy and clairvoyance and uh, and things like that that the participants seem to score higher if they have a good ability of being able to stay focused. Well, okay, but there are other factors. And so taking that one little bit, what I'm doing now is that we're thinking, okay, that's the case. Does that also apply for mediumship? And if it does apply for mediumship, what other cognitive strategies or other cognitive functions are also maybe implicated or associated within the process of mediumship and if there are others do those others make us stand out as mediums from the general public as certain functions do you know what i mean are we using cog do we have a better performance of being able to stay focused for example than joe blogs down the road you know because we're using our mediumship more often and if that's the case you know so these are these little questions you no know? so if that's the case what if then we trained the mediums, not just in mediumship, but also to be able to remain focused? You know what I mean? Giving like brain training exercises or meditation exercises or something, will that then improve their mediumship? Do you know what I mean? So we're trying to look at how um, 
and this is what my, my, my doctorate is about, is looking to see these cognitive strategies that are used to see how we can enhance mediumship, not do away with the conventional circles or conventional unfoldment, you know, because we still need to develop that relationship with the spirit world. But I, I personally feel that, you know, the processes that we use as mediums in our unfoldment haven't really changed since the 1800s, you know, and it's like, well, we're in the 21st century now, you know, obviously we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater with the techniques that we use, but let's look at these techniques and see how we can possibly improve them or introduce new techniques to at least meet the spirit world in halfway, shall we say, in, uh, in, in our unfoldment. And so this is what uh, sort of my doctorate is about, my PhD is about, and, um, and uh, hopefully we'll be finding some interesting information from it. So this is like this giant jigsaw, and Absolutely. each piece of the puzzle is made up of other jigsaws to be put together. Absolutely, and that is science, and that's, yeah. the, science, that's the scientific method. That's what science is all about, is, is, is building, is looking at the literature, looking to see what other people have done and saying, oh, okay, but you've not done this. And you then build upon that with a new idea and you do your research. You know, so hopefully, you know, I'm in the process at the moment of, uh, of one of the studies I've done uh, going through and getting it published in a, in a, in a, in a peer-reviewed journal. Now, the hope is that some, some other scientists, some other researchers somewhere in the world will pick up on that, will read that and think, well, that's kind of interesting, but Chris didn't do this. He missed this bit out. Uh, let's, do, let's do an experiment and see what happens when we do this and this and this based upon what Chris has done, you know, and then you get this picture building up, you know, gradually going, you know, uh, getting bigger and bigger and you get this bigger uh, body of knowledge, as we were saying. And, uh, and then we start to understand more about this, uh, this, this mediumistic process that we use and, and hopefully, you know, take the things that, you know, our, you know, our pioneers of spiritualism have, have discovered and, and learned, but actually add to it, add some, science to it or add some new methods to it as well definitely definitely i love that i love that description you got there chris is a fascinating subject we've got a comment just come in here from arish uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely sorry sorry about coming this one this is a perfect one in 2019 i was invited um to do a presentation uh, at the conference of the Society for Psychical Research. And I was presenting some studies, some neurological studies, some EEG studies, you know, looking at the brain and what and what it shows in mediumship. And um, as a sideline to that, there were two things I, I, I pleaded with the researchers out there uh, who attended this conference. One was, please stop treating mediums as if we're just one big homogenous group. You know, we're unique individuals. I'll give you an example I mean. Um, someone might do a study looking at, like your, for example, you're, you're part of this study at King's College, looking at, yeah. and they did some MRI scans of you, of your brain, and looking at for something. But, and they did that for a number of mediums. But the question arises, is there differences between someone who's predominantly clairvoyant 
clairaudience, clairsentience, clairknowing or claircognance. You know, is there a differences in that that has different functions? Because they may be looking for similarities, but they may have a whole variety of mediums using different faculties of their mediumship. They might not see similarities. They may see complete variability. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. one of the things I, ple I pleaded with uh, scientists researchers was don't treat it as a homogenous group. OK, um, no, because we all work differently in many ways. Um, and in, uh, in, in my study I'm doing, though, I asked participants to rate from a scale of one to ten the different faculties of mediumship they may have in terms of how strong they believe their faculty is because it's a variability. The other thing is, you know, it, exactly that. Science does not acknowledge the third person in the experiment. They don't acknowledge spirit. And I often say to them, if you you have to at least entertain the idea that the spirit world are part of that experiment and they have to be part of it. Now, of course, there is potential that the spirit world may not wish to participate, in which case one would hope that the medium is sufficiently developed to um, an honest to say to the researchers, you know, sorry, I'm not getting anything today, rather than maybe working it a bit too much, shall we say, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and uh, and struggling with it and giving us like a below par sort of uh, 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 performance, if I could use the word performance. Um, so yeah, absolutely. The spirit world have to be acknowledged in this, and this is one of the things I was I was stressing at this uh, at this conference uh, in 2019 because you know, and, and actually I mentioned it in my in my in uh, one of the literature things that one of the papers I've I've acknowledged as well that one of the findings that from this is that you know as mediums we treat the spirit world as very much as distinct objects or distinct people you know we don't treat them as figments of our imagination. You know, when we're working with the spirit world, they're there, you know, just as there as as anyone in the congregation may be there. You know, so it's important that the, the scientific community acknowledges this and also acknowledges the limitations of their study if the spirit world don't want to participate. Yeah, Absolutely. really interesting. And actually, something I hadn't shared, um, when I was taking part in the study up in King's, uh, it was to work with the mediumship, was just the directive. Well, I'm used to working with my mediumship up there <laughs> with a load of people in front of me, not lying flat there, with head pinned down in a very confined space. So the first 10-minute uh, session, yeah, I was getting communication, but I was just like... Well, I don't know what to do with this because I'm getting it and I don't know what to do with it. So the second session, I worked with my philosophy guide. The third session, I thought, I'm not getting any validation here. And so my mind keeps popping into this. So I'm going to go to where I am really, really comfortable. And I went for a psychic walk. Mm -hmm. uh, and they found that fascinating. You know, because I said, well, by the third time, because I've, I'm trained to yes, no, maybe. Yes. 
yeah. and not getting that. And also, you know, he is not comfortable at all in those machines. <laughs> it seriously isn't. I thought, no, my mind's coming into this. So, therefore, I used it on the last bit on the psychic side. And they were actually, actually very happy yeah, yeah. that I was that yeah. honest and that I'd worked different faculties. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's a very interesting point you raised there, is uh, about the training we give our mediums. One of the things that I was pushing for a little when I was a member of the Spiritual National Union was trying to because you know the ASNU uh, does training and give awards and uh, accreditations and things like that for their mediums you know um, as do the, the ISM and other organizations but that training is based on standing on platform like you said you're standing on platform in a church environment or in a center environment in some respect being in a lab environment is very different you know mm -hmm. in many cases and it's really that I, what I wanted to do was to encourage the SNU to try and include an element of training in lab situations, you know, um, being in that situation when you're in a room on your own with maybe just a, a video camera stared, staring at you and a, a, like a, like a, a one-way mirror or two-way mirror, so to speak, in front of you, you know, and someone saying to you, you know, like you, they said to you, go on then. Off you go, <laughs> do your stuff. <laughs> and it's a very completely different environment. And, uh, and, and of course, we don't always take the environment into, into account when we're doing the studies. You know, and again, that's something we need to look into. You know, can we make the, the studies um, more, so we say, ecologically friendly, which we mean by that is, um, you know, can we make them more alike the the sort of environment that the the medium is more used to working? Because if we take them out of their environment, you know, then actually the the, the performance or the, or the the mediumship may not be the same in some way. You right. know? Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I think we contacted, we spoke to a, a scientist over in America from the what's called the Wimbridge Institute, and we spoke to them because they developed a screening process. Um, for uh, people with, uh, with, with mediums that they then used once they passed the screening process in their research. And what was interesting was that every study that they published using these mediums that they screened uh, to show that they did have some mediumistic ability, every study that they published has shown significant uh, results uh, demonstrating that there is, um, that, that these mediums were getting information from um, some form, some way. In fact, what I'll do, if that's okay, I'm going to share one slide with you, uh, just give you an example of that. Uh, let's just go up to this. So here is a, a study that was done. Uh, this was done by uh, the Wimbridge Institute, uh, and um, and it was this study that they've titled you know, "Anomalous." information reception by research mediums under blinded conditions so first thing that strikes me here is that you've got these blinded conditions that basically meaning that in this particular case the mediums didn't know who they were doing a private sitting for you know mm -hmm. so that the person you know, the person the sitter was in a different room and the medium was in another room and there was no communication between them at all and um, and their conclusion was you know, as it says there, because the experimental conditions of this study eliminated normal sensory source of information mediums 
uh, for, for the information uh, information mediums report a non-local source and i like the bit they put however controversial remains the most likely explanation for the accuracy and the specificity of the statements uh, that were made by the mediums so here they're saying quite clearly that you know we don't know. We we screened that we screened these mediums from all the normal sources of where they could get this information from, but their accuracy was still such that it was still significant. You know, and, and what we mean by that there is that the recipients uh, understood the communication, understood the evidence that was presented to them, um, and you know, and this and this is we see this quite a lot um, with a lot of the studies here because I mean there's here's another one here. Um, you know that was done, and this is was a, a meta-analysis that was published uh, last year, no, 2021. And this was a meta-analysis, and the meta-analysis is basically where a researcher looks at all the literature out there and says, you know, um, when we look at all the literature, what is on balance, what does it actually say? Um, and uh, here, you know, uh, they looked at uh, all the research studies that were conducted between. 2020 and 2019, if memory serves me correctly, so like a 20-year period. And in this study here, they concluded, you know, the results of this meta-analysis support the hypothesis that some mediums can retrieve information from deceased persons through unknown means. So again, you know, they're saying that, you know, we test these mediums and they're getting this information, but we don't know where they're getting it from because you know, we're screening from it, we're screening them from everything else, you know. So when, you know, we, we hear very often skeptics say, you know, we're doing cold reading techniques or you're making it up or hot reading techniques. Um, are they terms you're familiar with, Lawrence? Yes. Cold reading, hot reading? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, just very briefly for those who may not, cold reading is, is a technique which skeptics say a lot of mediums and psychics use are basically when we use generalities, you know, general statements, you've got a bad back, you've got a grandfather in spirit, your grandmother knitted, all these types of things, you know, all these sort of general statements. Hot reading techniques are accusations that somehow, I want to make me laugh, somehow the mediums research the sitters before they do the, the, the demonstration. So, you know, so a medium coming to church somehow seems to know who is going to be attending the church and has somehow researched <clears throat> all the sitters and so are able to present information uh, to them in that way. These, these are the general two arguments or the uh, two arguments or the two uh, explanations that the skeptics will give. And so what we have here are researchers who are eliminating that by the medium not knowing who the, uh, the, the sitters are. Um, and in some cases in the blind or in triple blind studies, not only do the mediums not know who the sitters are, I mean, the sitters don't know who the mediums are, and that the individual, the researcher's assistant, who actually introduces, or, 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 because as you said, Lawrence, there have been someone that would have greeted you at the door, brought you in to the room and all this stuff, yeah? Yeah, well, they don't know who you are and who the sitter is, do you know what I mean? So you've got all these people who know, know nothing about anybody <laughs> coming together, and uh, and even in those circumstances, you find cases like this where the mediums are clearly demonstrating that they're able to get information about deceased people. But again, science at the time is still erring on the side of caution because they're saying from unknown means. 
However, later on, there's another paper. Okay, now this is quite an interesting one. As I said, again, this was done with a, uh, a triple blind protocol, as I was explaining earlier, where basically nobody knows anybody in the, in the experiment. Um, and this one clearly states that this study provides further evidence that some mediums are able to obtain accurate information about deceased people knowing only the deceased name. And with no interaction with the sitters, it also supports the hypothesis that in some cases, sources of the information are the deceased themselves. So here we have a paper that's published in the peer-reviewed journal that's actually saying, look, we've, 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 we've accounted for every other possible source of information and we've eliminated it. So the only other possible source of information that these individuals could be getting this information from are the deceased themselves. And this is quite a, you know, I, I, I emailed the lead researcher here and said to them, no, there's quite a bold statement to make for a peer reviewed journal. No, how did, what was your thinking process behind that? And he just basically said, as I, I mentioned that, you know, that we've eliminated everything else. So the only other possible hypothesis, the only other possible source is the, what was, was, was the, uh, the spirit world. And so, you know, you've got these type of papers that are coming out now clearly showing that you know if you if you have the right comes here the right mediums or the right medium you know we are able to demonstrate quite clearly in laboratory conditions and with the control conditions um control conditions that you know that you know we would accept you know drug companies to 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 use you know um, exactly the same protocol, exactly the same sort of level of scrutiny. Um, and we're seeing researchers saying that, you know, saying that you know, the source of the information, the deceased themselves. I mean, this is absolutely incredible. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> we need to turn our attention to the comments box because that has been filling up rather rapidly. <laughs> Go for it. For a comment here, lovely Jack from Denmark. Jack and Lola are over there watching us. Um, going back to a previous yes. part of the conversation, you're saying honesty is important with the science part as well as the daily practice of mediumship. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely true. But also we need the honesty the other way back as well. We need honesty with the the researchers and science with us. Mm. You know, and and uh, and another thing that I was I've often spoken to researchers about is including spiritualists or including mediums in the design of their experiments you know mm -hmm. not so that we can ensure we uh we show something positive or beneficial but because you know as spiritualists we know more about mediums or mediumship than the academic community you know we know how it works for us we can explain it um you know very well so you know i think it's there's, a, there's honesty both ways with this because it's going to be quite something, hasn't it, to design a study that is not in anybody's favour. It is not yes. designed to trip you up well, and it is not designed yeah. to make it easy yeah. for you. It's yeah. just going to be yeah. that. I mean, what, what you're doing is you're trying, you've asked yourself, you, you are, you're, you're trying to find um, conclusion to a question that you're asking. You know, mm. does this happen? But it's, it's whether you find something or not, both are equally valid 
because if you don't find anything, then you know not to pursue down that road. Do you know what I mean? Or if you don't find anything valid, you can ask yourself questions like, well, was my study sensitive enough to find something? Do you know what I mean? There's all sorts of things. And this is why I said, and that's why I said at the start, no, science can't, can't ever disprove mediumship. You know, they can't, you can never say to someone, you're not a medium. You know, and this is why I think, no, it's, it, we should all, you know, if you're, if you're keen to try and participate as much as possible and get, in, get, and get involved with science as much as possible, researchers, because, you no, know, we, we have an opportunity not only to be uh, pioneers in, in bringing the communication with loved ones through, but also pioneers in educating researchers as well. Ooh, now that's interesting that you just put that in there because that ties in very nicely. <laughs> with... I must be psychic. You must be psychic. Oh, you I can must meet. Be. <laughs> the lovely Mark Stone. Yeah. Uh, he's saying, I know it's a contentious area, but many physical mediums of the past seem to be <clears> open <throat> to scientific testing. I know that there are scientists and researchers now open to examining this area, but are there many mediums actually coming to work with them? You don't have to name names, but what's happening in the physical mediumship scientific exploration that you are aware of? Okay. First of all, what I'll say to, to that question is that what we have to understand as well, we, we don't want science to become like an orthodox religion, okay? So yeah. what I mean by that is that science is, or scientists are equally flawed as anybody else. So when they do studies and they come to conclusions, what I've often found is, and, and I say this because there's a particular physical medium who was shown to be, um, shall we say, behaving suspiciously on, on camera um, recent, uh, back in 2016. Um, something was shown, recorded, showing that, he, that his uh, physical medium wasn't, I personally, wasn't uh, uh, demonstrating physical phenomena that has subsequently feels that they've been vindicated because of a particular study that was done a scientific study that was done to demonstrate that he that there that this person was um mm. authenticated okay and so yeah. and because of that there's a lot of emphasis on that study to say well this person is now genuine okay a bit cryptic but i think most people understand who i'm talking about and what i'm talking about what i would say is one study doesn't prove anything Okay, doesn't prove anything at all. It just demonstrates that at a particular moment, in a particular time, this was this was this happened. Um, so I'm not aware of any. You know, the thing is, scientists don't really. I've spoken to researchers about physical phenomena, and scientists in particular, and then and then and they're not all that keen. Because the reason for that is because that they know that they can't necessarily control the environment. Because physical mediumship, we know, uh, or we're led to believe from the physical mediums themselves, that it has to be done in a certain way for this phenomena to occur. And what that means is it opens them up to uh, 
it prevents the scientists from being able to put the controls in place that they would like to do. Like we, I was showing you earlier in those um, those papers that have been published, you know, the scientists there were able to control the environment, able to control where sensor information could be leaked, uh, where information, alternative sources of information could come in, fraudulent information could come in. Um, but of course, in, in a physical format, in a physical science, that's not quite possible. Unless, yeah. unless, you know, you have a physical medium who's willing to work closely with scientists and develop uh, a sort of protocol or a sort of environment which is more conducive, uh, you know, maybe maybe fully lighted environment, you know, uh, rather than in, in darkness or under red light situations and so forth. So I'm not aware of, apart from this one, this, uh, this one medium who was, um, well, there's actually a couple of mediums who have both been shown, shall we say, to have suspicious, or let's put it right, have their behavior led to some suspicions about their authenticity. Um, and, uh, and they both have had studies done by the same scientist, interestingly, by the same research, the same scientist who seems to vindicate their suspicions, or sorry, who seem to uh, disprove the suspicions and say they're, they're genuine, if that makes sense. Um, but that being said, there have been other scientists who have come in, have waded in with their size 12s and said, well, you know, I've found criticisms with a study that was conducted uh, that have uh, uh, mm. used these mediums. So it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big, it's a big field. It's a big sort of complex um, field. There's, as I said, you no, know, we can't, out of all of this, what I would say to that question is, please do not ever accept one study as being evidence of someone's genuine ability. Let's put it that way. Very well put, thank you. And it, it totters into one of my uh, pets peeves is when people cherry pick certain items and especially I've been a Christian spiritualist church, we've had a few instances where somebody has taken a line out of context from the Bible, quoted it with this huge authority and entitlement and then just stood there and wondered why it hasn't had the effect they wanted, you know, it's just like get a grip anyway moving on okay <laughs> moving on sue townsend chris how much does science take into account the subtle energy field which may not be seen with the physical eye this being where the connectedness to spirit may reside i.e in the etheric links because spirit may make themselves known unexpectedly to people unaware of spirit previously Hmm. Okay, Let, let's break let's break that that question yeah, down into yeah. a few bits. Okay, so um, there are a number of uh, words in there, or or should we say assumptions in there um, that uh, that we could possibly challenge from a scientific perspective, um, because one would say you know that uh, this being the connectedness to spirit may reside, i.e. in the etheric fields. Well. That's what we think is happening, you know, as spiritualists, that's what we've been taught. And so that's what we um, say is happening. But actually, there, there's very little literature, very little science or evidence to suggest that is what's happening. You know, so this is an area where I, I was saying to you, Lawrence, earlier, where what I'd like to do is try and look at what 
we understand as spiritualists because that hasn't changed since the, the 1800s. You know, you know, we talk about the etheric fields and uh, things like that. That, that, all, that's, that was all parts of the, you know, the things that were discussed in the 1840s, 1848, the birth of modern spiritualism and, and so forth. And nothing's changed. But the question is, you know, is that what happens or is there something else that happens? You know, or is there something more deep, deep and meaningful that happens? Um, so in terms of the subtle energy field, there are obviously studies out there that look at the subtle energy fields relating to healing uh, in particular. Um, and so that's an, an aspect there. I mean, you've got the Curlian photography, but again, there's still some, it's still quite a controversial topic in that respect. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, there, there are there are a little few studies, but it's it very sparse in that respect because one of the things we have to try and work out is, well, how do you test for this subtle energy field? If the energy field is so subtle, what do we use to measure it with? How do we know it's there? How can we take something that's subtle and make it objectively viewable to and measurable in some way? Um, so there is there are there are a lot of there are a lot of aspects in that question that you have to sort of like ask. Well, okay, how do we do this? Is that an assumption? Is that something we we know is true? Is there literature that says that, or is it just something that we we've we've accepted because it sort of explains the mechanisms that in a, in a way that we can understand? You know. Brilliant. Thank you, uh, Jamie. Lovely Jamie Williamson. Chris, why do you think it is that there is a shortage of qualitative mm -hmm. studies into mediumship phenomenological? Phenomenological, yes. It's all about <laughs> IPAs, uh, interpretive phenomena, yeah, absolutely IPA stuff. Um, what I would say is that there's a shortage at the moment. The reason for that, I think, I would suggest, looking at the literature, reading the literature, is that in the past we've been... Uh, researchers have been concentrating on on the evidential aspects of mediumship in the sense that you know do I was like I was just I just put up on the screen there you know are mediums really doing this is basically the question they're asking you know and they look at uh, what's called quantitative studies that are measured you know in numbers you know in terms of the accuracy of studies and so forth but what I've found over the last 10 years, that if you look at the literature, there seems to be a shift. In fact, it was a gradual shift, it's a slight shift, but it's a gradual shift where, where researchers are moving away now from looking at the evidence, what we call evidence-focused, and looking at what we call process-focused. And what we mean by that is that we now want to understand, well, how do mediums do this? Because there seems to be such a wide evidence pole now, body of knowledge, that seems to suggest that mediums are doing what they're saying they're doing in, okay. in the sense that they are getting information from somewhere. And as I showed um, uh, earlier, you know, there are now papers out there that say this, they're doing something and, and we believe they're getting it from the spirit world, you know. So now the emphasis, and this is where I think the qualitative studies into mediumship will come in, um, because now what they're looking at is looking at the experience from the medium's perspective and looking to see well how are mediums doing this this is what we mean by process focus looking at the process of mediumship now um, to understand a bit more about what's going on and that i think is kind of exciting because 
that then allows us possibly to draw upon that knowledge and inform our practice as mediums or as tutors in terms of helping other exponents unfold their mediumship because hopefully we'll find things in this process um, that can be beneficial in terms of our own sort of unfoldment and unfoldment of others. So I think it's, it's because, uh, Jamie, I think it's because, uh, you know, it was it was a shift in the past. It was just very much more, you know, we want to prove or just want to see whether mediums are doing what they're trying to they say they claim to be doing. And now they're looking at, um, as I said, now they're looking at uh, uh, how they're doing it. Mm. So I think you'll see you'll see the qualitative studies improve. Also, very briefly, not a lot of researchers like qualitative studies. I've I've seemed to have hinted at, uh, or I've come across as well. There's a lot of researchers prefer to crunch numbers than to do qualitative studies, and um, so that might be something to do with it as well. Brilliant, thank you. It's it, just really interesting hearing you talk there. Uh, I I just can see sometimes where this conflict comes in between spiritualism and the scientific community because you know i can hear people answering from their emotional bodies absolutely 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 and this is yeah and this is why i wanted to you know come not come to the book but get involved more with science from that background because you know and, and again you know why i said you know, in my introduction about myself why I decided to throw that sort of skeptical, rational, analytical thinking aside because I wanted to gain that experience hmm. because I knew this. I had to experience being a medium. I mean, I never, I never imagined in my wildest dreams I'd be working on platform and I'll be a minister. You know, I mean, that was just so far removed from my my thinking um, at the time. But um, but by having that experience, having that, being able to uh, understand that phenomena, if you like personally as an experience and that adds a lot of value i think the, the, the research that i'm doing now because you now i'm looking at this research and i'm looking at it from a mediumistic perspective you know or, or at least looking at it from having a background as a medium thinking okay i could do this but you know i kind of don't think that's going to work for some reason you know so I, I could do that but i might have to do this or i might have to appreciate or I might have to acknowledge that some mediums might not be happy with that because of X, Y, Z. Do you know what I mean? It's, so it's it's being part of the community, if you like, as as, as added value, I think, to um, the research that I'm conducting. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Uh, observation here from, oh, hang on. There's a, a reprobate in the room. Um, please remember, everybody, wonderful you put any comments in there. Uh, but we may not catch up with them until about five minutes after the topic is gone. <laughs> so please never feel like you're being ignored. It's by the time we come to your comment, you're thinking, what's that about then? <laughs> but anyway, Carl, lovely to see you in the room tonight. Welcome, welcome. Lovely Jack again. Uh, and I know this referred back to something you were talking earlier on. And he's just saying that he's got fantastic evidence from his grandfather that nobody knew of. The evidence came from mediums from around the world. Evidence has been confirmed years later when family members investigated the family tree. Very similar to something called the correspondence studies. If you go to the SBR website, um, the SBR, the Scientific, the Scientific Psychical Research, 
they've got a uh, what they call a, an encyclopedia like a wikipedia um although it's not wikipedia they, they called it something else i can't know what they call it I think they call it the sci encyclopedia um uh, out of interest we a lot of the sbr members try to use wikipedia to talk about mediumship survival or ndes and this sort of thing but unfortunately the gorilla skeptics on wikipedia would would log in and change their entries and so um yes the, the sbr decided to set up their own uh, wikipedia sort of thing that would, would actually talk about um mediumship and survival research so i don't know if you know but the the sbr have been around since the 1880s and no, they were right. formed they were formed in london in the 1880s 1882 i think it was they were formed in london by a load of lead uh, scientists at the time to explore the claims of of uh, spiritualists in particular and uh, they they've got a whole database reaching back going back to 1882 of research that was conducted by also that's the one thank you mark um that's um and uh whole boast of research from 1882 that demonstrates all sorts of things about medium and spiritualists you know you've got the original research conducted by uh into uh leonora piper you know florence cook and all these sorts of you now all these sort of names that we hear about you'll you'll read about them and the researchers that did those studies uh in in this uh, uh on this uh, website and uh but there's a, there's a one called the correspondence studies in particular that were very very similar to what jack was saying um where you know evidence came from mediums around the world at different points in time and it was only yeah and it was only when the information came together it all made sense yeah so very 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 famous case yeah absolutely uh going back to mark here uh he's just picking up from his earlier comment and i think what we're saying here is is there any spiritualist associations uh, investigating physical phenomena more not investigating no not, I'm a, not that i'm aware of no not that i'm aware of wonderful 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 but of course if mark knows anything I'll yeah i'll be interesting if he's hinting at something here i'd be interesting to hear from him <laughs> I shall see him on Monday. I shall get the uh, the, the tongs out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, uh, the tone and the agenda behind the question, perhaps. Yeah, what are you up to? What are you up to, Stone? Come on, spill, spill, spill. Yeah, um, <clears throat> there's a comment here from Gail Handley. Uh, I, I, I love the simplicity of this. Just ask all the scientists to sit with the medium and get a message from their departed loved one. Job done. Job done. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Absolutely. There is that is that is a, a possibility. I suppose the trouble the problem is obviously you know which medium. Yeah. yeah. On which day. Yeah. 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 Very and, true. Uh, and of course, you know. Uh, it'll always be um again you know the thing is you know that the, the the scientists will want to put in controls in place for that and although that's possible you know you know it a scientist won't ever take the first thing you know it, it, they will try and explore because there are other alternatives other alternative explanations and so forth and so what a scientist a good scientist would do is eliminate try and eliminate the possibilities to arrive hopefully at one 
uh, concluding possibility that's the most likely explanation of what's going on. Um, so yes, yeah, so you could sit with that medium. I mean, you know, that, that's what I did, and it was enough to convince me. Let's put it that way. Yeah, yeah. The master's coming back there. He'll keep an ear to the ground. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, Phil Shaw here just saying the College of Psychic Studies still holds authentic and candid documentation from SPR dignitaries relating yep. to research into the aforementioned mediums. That's it. Um, it's, I think I think it's Leslie Price, isn't it? Who's the, the librarian or the uh, that holds all that information um, or manages all that information anyway. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As I said, you know, the College of Psychic Studies, uh, you know, with the uh, Arthur Conan Doyle, for example, and and uh, and all these, all these, all these uh, organisations, uh, all were formed not only to you know to help people unfold their mediumship, but also to provide a rational sort of basis for mediumship and spiritualism. You now, because that was very important. You remember that was very important in the the eighteen nineteen hundreds. That, that spiritualism wasn't seen as a fringe. You know, it was seen as something that was that had a very strong rational scientific basis behind it. And it's it and and as I said, you know, what what we're trying to do is is encourage that sort of that encourage that sort of uh, legacy in into the twenty first century. Most definitely, most definitely. I mean, if we turn the tables here slightly. Um, the room is full of mediums tonight, so absolutely wonderful. Thank you all for being here. Uh, could I uh, could I turn this around and just say, as a working medium, and this is to everybody in the room, have you ever stood on the platform and proved conclusively in one message to one person the continuity of life? You may give the evidence, I'm a big one, we will give the evidence to support that thought, but I don't, speaking personally, I've never delivered that epiphany moment to somebody. Uh, there's been a short series of revelations where you bring through, but that person will then go out and go, well, you know, I don't quite, I don't, and the responsibility that comes with it. So, and if we take that energy and turn that around to the scientific community working with us yeah. as mediums, then no, it's not going to be this big blast epiphany moment. It is just going to be a continual building of the facts, of the information, the evidence, the knowledge, the understanding that will take you to a conclusion. So now that to everybody in the room. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I think, I think you're absolutely right, you know, and uh, and it is one of these little bugbears of mine when, when I hear mediums say the purpose of mediumship is to give proof of survival. No, the purpose of mediumship is to give evidence of survival. The proof yeah. lies with the recipient as yeah. whether that's proof or not. Yeah. Um, but we but there's also added complication to that is that we have all been schooled um, from early childhood in believing that the physical world is the only world, you know, um, mm. and it's the only the materialist world exists. And so very often, even if you do give good evidence, I find personally, give give, give good evidence and the medium come and the, and the recipient comes up to you after and say, oh, thank you very much. That's reason, that was my, I can understand that was my father, that was whatever. You know full well that by the time they've 
gone to bed that night, woken up in the morning, you know, all those doubts, all that scepticism, all that schooling from the physical world and social uh, has come in and has just basically diluted that passion or that um, uh, feeling that they had um, or that confidence in their own thinking they had at that time. And has just diluted that into, um, well, like you said, well, was it, was it not? Yeah. But of course, the other aspect to this, and the psychologists would say, is that we have this what's called the Fora effect. And the Fora effect seems to suggest, or it's kind of like a bias that we do. And, and uh, the Fora effect is such that what happens is we have a tendency of remembering the hits and forgetting the misses. Um, and so what we have, to, what we do is we put um, an added weight or added relevance on things that we think are hits and we sort of like ignore the misses. So I've seen it quite time and time again in a, in a church sitting in the, in, the, in the congregation watching another medium work is that they may have had a really appalling demonstration you know, and, you, and we all have them every once in a while. Yeah. And that medium might just say one piece, one or two pieces of evidence. And the person will say, yes, yes, yes. Me sitting in the background, I'm thinking to myself, well, that doesn't prove, that doesn't give any evidence of anything or prove anything really to the recipient. But they only think of those. That, yeah. They only hold on to those bits, ignoring everything else the medium has said, which they couldn't ex understand or couldn't accept. But just those two or three pieces um, was enough for them to be convinced. And it's like, well, really can you really be convinced by that but that's an example of the four effect where we add additional weighting or additional uh, emphasis on things that um we think are true or we add you know we um we as i said you no know, we remember the hits but uh, seem to forget the misses yeah yeah and unfortunately so as, as working mediums we ourselves tend to remember the misses and absolutely. The hits. absolutely absolutely <laughs> and that might be because the studies have seemed to show there's been some studies been looking at uh, uh mental health because one of the things back in the day that people used to say about mediums is that we're basically historic historical sort of hysterical sorry uh individuals we're, we've got some sort of psychopathology we're basically mentally ill in some way and uh, and there's been studies after study that have been done that's shown that actually mediums aren't, as we know, as we know long, mediums aren't mentally ill at all, you know. Um, and actually, what actually happens is that medium, <laughs> well, medium, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a list. We, we have, we have exceptions, I'm sure. But you know, mediums generally, as a as a group, as a body, generally enjoy a better level of mental health and well-being than non-mediums. So I often joke, and when I say to people, you know, if someone comes up to you and you say you're a medium, and they say to you, oh, don't be daft, you're just mad, actually, the chances are it's the other way around, you know, because it's a medium that enjoys well-being. The only thing that the study seems to suggest is that mediums have a higher incidence of being neurotic. Okay? Mm. Being anxious and neurotic. Now, what's interesting is I often question this, is being a is being neurotic and an anxious sort of personality type has that led us to be a medium or as our unfoldment as a medium in terms of our sensitivity okay led us to be more heightened in in our sensitivity and become more neurotic and anxious yeah. we don't know which way that the circle 
is is formed do you know what i mean yeah. but the, the literature and this is consistent in in quite a few studies seems to suggest mediums not i mean not individually every single person but as a whole as a group if you're compared with non-mediums the general public you know we have a tendency of being more anxious and, and have more sort of neurotic sort of personalities mm. Yeah, I can go along with that. And I love that about which way does that circle go? Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah. Is it because we are heightened perception that we are like that or is it something like developed? That heightened our perception? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, what, so example, as I was saying about the scientific method there. So what a researcher might do would take that piece of information and say, well, just as we've said, well, which way around does that circle go? You know, and then may design an experiment to look at that. And that's the scientific method. You know, you take one piece of information that's been published in a journal and you say, well, okay, well, they've done that, but what can we do to improve that body of knowledge in some way? Yeah. Mm -hmm. anyway. Roy McKay, uh, lovely gent who has now moved down near the church. We love you, Roy. Yeah. <laughs> we love a medium living next door. Uh, one wonders what the personal views and beliefs of the scientists are during these tests. We understand your perspective from the information here. Yes. Uh, yeah. Do you sit down with others and treat the fact? Well, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, the thing is, if you go somewhere like um, you go to a conference like the um, Society for Cycle Research or you go to the Paralogical, the Parapsychological Association conferences or the conference of the, the Society for Scientific Exploration, these are all sorts of international conferences that explore um, alternatives, shall we say, you know, and, and amongst that you will have, you know, healing and uh mediumship ndes and consciousness and all sorts of things here and there are a lot of scientists who have the belief that um that there is something you know you know how many scientists are willing to say that while they're still in their academic careers you know because mm -hmm. it's not always very career progressing to admit this and hence why a lot of the scientists who come out do say once they've retired, but that being that aside, you know, there are more and more younger scientists, younger researchers, as I said, who are doing PhDs in their early 20s. Now I'm quite old, you know, in my 40s, coming up to 50, doing a PhD, but there are those in their 20s are doing PhDs who are, you know, open to uh, the, the belief in communication with the spirit world and who are genuinely interested, you know, and um, as I mentioned i think earlier is that there are universities now and the fact that we have universities now who are willing to sponsor or willing to supervise students looking at survival or mediumship and, and willing to give people doctorates in that field shows how tide has shifted and how there is more openness to this uh concepts or these beliefs of this but but something that's mentioned in that question is the beliefs of scientists during these tests. Now, I mentioned about the Fora effect, which is one of the biases that we experience, but there's another bias, and that's called the experimenter bias. It's been published in literature time and time again, that it depends on, sometimes there seems to be a correlation between 
the expectancy and the beliefs of the experimenter and the results of the experiment. Um, there was a, a famous study that was published several years ago between two um, researchers. One was very open to the possibility of, um, I think they were looking at healing in particular, spiritual healing or some healing capacity or healing uh, art. And uh, one was very supportive and one was very um, negative towards it or very skeptical towards it. They both looked at the data from this experiment and both interacted with the participants. But what was really interesting was, whereas one saw the information and, and, and illustrated it in a positive light, the one that was skeptical um, uh, produced the information, the same data, but framed it in a very negative way, you know, to disprove. Uh, uh, and what I have to say is it wasn't a conscious thing between the two. OK, it wasn't that I'm skeptical. And so therefore, I'm going to prove it right and know to hell what the evidence says, you know, to the hell of that. Um, it was very much an unconscious bias. OK, so it's what we call the experimenter effect and the fact that the experimenter can influence the results of the studies. So it is kind of important to know what the, the personal beliefs or views of the experimenter are, because that can have an impact on the results of the experiment. Wonderful. Back to Denmark. <coughs> As traditional science is very much about measuring weight, etc., gives a limited opportunity to bring evidence of spirit. Are you aware of new ways or techniques in modern science that can bring a broader variety of measurements? Okay. Again, we go back to what I was saying about the fact that we're moving away from looking at measuring evidence because uh, and moving into what we call process focused. What we can do with that is one of the areas that I've looked at time and time again is what we call the neurophysiological aspects of mediumship. And what I mean by that is, you know, can we measure changes in the body that relate to mediumship in some way? And so uh, one area that I looked at was looking at uh, EEG, looking at the brain activity in the brain, and in particular with trans mediums. And we found, um, and this was, this was I um, presented this at one of the SBR uh, conferences several years ago, um, the data from this, and we could see screen captures from the, um, or see measures from the trance mediums that seem to share similar type of activity. And so that's different from other forms of activity. Okay. Um, and let me give you an example of what I mean here. Um, one of the things uh, we often get told about, if I just quickly present this, yeah. um, and it just gets, uh, we often get told, don't we, that as mediums, that everything's in our imagination. You know, you're not really communicating with the spirit world. It's really our imagination doing it. You know, you're just making it up. You know, and what's interesting is that science is, scientists have actually picked up on this and said, well, okay, well, if it's their imagination, let's have a look at that. And what they've got here, there's a paper that was done. Uh, when was this done? Where's the date on here? Um, I can't see it at the moment. Oh, 2013. Actually, so it's quite an old paper. 2013, that looked at electrical cortical activity. They're looking at the brain activity um, with mediums. And um, what they found was 
that what they did was they got these mediums and very similar to, I think, uh, Lawrence, as you was explained to me earlier before this uh, meeting, um, was that they, they got the mediums to imagine certain things. Yeah. Okay, and measure the activity. So they, they got things, they got them to, to think of certain things, then use their imagination to do creative thinking, and then connect with the spirit world. And what they found was that the act, brain activity was very different in those three things. And so they were able to conclude that when someone is using their mediumship, they're not actually thinking in that, in that capacity of not cognitively thinking, uh, perceptual load thinking, but also they weren't actually using their imagination either. So as the paper says here, the differences suggest the impressions of communicating with the deceased may be a, a distinct mental state, distinct from ordinary thinking or imagination. And so, you know, these are ways in which science uh, are, and scientists and researchers are using technology, not necessarily to prove the evidence, but to demonstrate that mediums are doing something distinct from common sort of everyday things, such as imagining certain things uh, or, or making things up. You know, one of the things that you know, skeptics were saying, you're just making things up. Well, you know, this sort of research here seems to suggest the contrary. We're not making things up. We're not using our creative imagination. There is an other faculties going on in our brain that's actually giving us the answers. Wonderful. Uh, Colin Walker, do you think the issue is duality, the separateness between science and spirit? Do you think science is duality or separation? Um, I, I wouldn't say science and spirit. I may also say the physical and the non-physical. You know, what we have to understand is that if we go back uh, the history of science, we go back to the scientific revolution uh, uh, or the Enlightenment period, as it was called. You know, prior to the Enlightenment period, there was no such thing as the physical world and the material world. It was all seen as one, um, as I understand it. And it was only when you had the likes of Rene Descartes, um, Isaac Newton and so forth, who realized that they could explain the physical world using math that they decided, well, actually, we can explain the physical world using maths, but hey, we can't do anything about the immaterial world. So guess what? We're just going to shut that out and pretend that doesn't exist. And that's where the scientific stance has been ever since. If we're able to prove it mathematically, it must exist. If we can't prove it mathematically, it doesn't exist. Well, of course, you now there, there could be a lot of flaws with that because um, you know, there are always opportunities to discover something new. So is there an issue with duality? Yes, there is. It's because there is a duality when actually there shouldn't be one. Brilliant. Okay. Absolutely, Chris. Chris, okay. what a wonderful evening. Thank uh, you. It's, it's been a been pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So much in there to make you think. So much in there to make you think. Thank you again for giving up your time tonight. There's so much appreciation. Uh, thank you, everybody, for joining us, <clears throat> wherever you are. I know we've gone across the world tonight. Um, and, yeah, absolutely. Chris? Great. So, thank you very much for having me. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure. Don't forget, everybody, we will be uh, streaming our service live tomorrow morning from the church here in Poole. And tomorrow... We have a medium whose face I can see, and he is a CSNU certificate holder. 
and he is an absolute lovely gentleman and he took our healing calls here and the more i'm digging the further away i'm getting from his name <laughs> somebody remind me um so yes we have a wonderful sir thank oh god how embarrassing do you know what i do this sometimes on the platform i turn to introduce the medium and look at them and think yep you've got a name you've got a name oh, it's, you're called, right. it, it's called tip of the tongue and it was something yep. that my researchers found is quite common in mediums as well Yes! Thank you. At last, right. an excuse. <laughs> David Powell! There you go. Please don't be watching tonight, David. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Mark. <laughs> David Powell is our medium tomorrow. God, we're going to live that one down. Don't anybody tell him. Yes, all right, everybody. Stop it now. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Don't forget, you can re-watch this at a later date. I will put this out if it's all right with you, Chris. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. As well, uh, because I find the podcast, actually, I take a lot more in when I'm listening rather than thinking I've got to find an hour to watch something. I can just have it on and go, mm, yeah, that's quite interesting. So uh, we'll be releasing that uh, later this weekend. Thank you all for joining us. Chris, thank you for oh, coming along, talking to us. It's so nice. We have swapped thoughts and ideas in a few mm -hmm. groups online, Absolutely. but it's actually really nice to meet the person. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Anyway, everybody, have a wonderful night while you're all busy laughing at me because I'm a medium, so I'm allowed to forget. Oh, God, I'm so going to milk that. Uh, <laughs> Have a wonderful evening, everybody. Take care. God bless. Good night.